Hello and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk to the faces behind your books. I'm Nathan Van Coops. I'm your host, and today I'm excited to bring you an interview with uh, marketing consultant Nicholas Eric. Welcome to the show, Nicholas. Thanks for having me, Nathan. Good to be here. So, Nick, I heard about you uh, fairly recently uh, because we had an interview with a, an author who was doing incredibly well, uh, Tom Turner, and he was talking about his mystery series. And he kept bringing up this name of this this mysterious person in the background who's been helping him out. And um, every time he wasn't sure how much he should share, so he, you know you, you remained mysterious for a little bit. But um, after a little bit of investigating and asking around about you, I started, I found your your website and some other things like that. Of course, we started communicating a little bit via, via email, and I was super excited to find out um, about what you do. But can for people who aren't familiar with you, can you tell people a little bit about your your business and uh, what it is that you do? Sure. Well, first of all, uh, I started as an author. I'm still an author, so I've written about 23 or 24 novels in fantasy and science fiction. And as a result of me publishing, it kind of began back in 2012 or maybe early 2013. Some people uh, who knew my parents reached out and they asked if I could help them publish a book. So I started with that and it grew like at the time, like obviously I didn't know much about marketing, but I kind of got this base of knowledge from doing that. Mm -hmm. And that's grown over the past five, six years into people reaching out um, via my website and things like that to run launches or run campaigns and things like that. So in the meantime, I put together what I'd been doing based on the data from my own books and the authors I publish. And I assembled these guides on my website and uh, K-boards, which have, um, people have really liked them and found them useful, which has mm -hmm. been nice. So, Yeah, finding an audience on K-boards can be kind of a hit or miss, but obviously if you're, do, if you're providing good information and it sounds like your philosophy on information is great and that, that you really um, share a lot, um, so it definitely helped, obviously, build, build your reputation. How long ago did you first start publishing? What year was this? A publishing fiction? Yeah. Uh, my first novel came out maybe, it might have come out at the very end of 2012. It might have come out literally like December 31st. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, about six years. Yeah, so you've been in it for a little while. Um, that was around the time I was, I was getting started, too. So we've seen a lot of changes mm -hmm. over the years, but... Um, and I you know keyboards was a big part of the scene then too, as it still can be now. But um, so you, you you published your own stuff. You started publishing some other people's stuff. You you did a really nice thing in that took a lot of this knowledge and started sharing it. Obviously, everyone uh, sort of become as soon as you become a little bit successful at something, a lot of people start asking you questions. Like, How do you do this? How do you do this? Um, when did you branch out into actual like consulting for people? I'd say, let's see, probably about a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. So fairly recently, uh, I've been doing some of this, basically the same things for the authors that I publish, right, under my own account. Mm -hmm. But it, it definitely took, like, a while for people to reach out and, like, seek out and ask that, especially because I've never advertised it. I think that people don't necessarily assume that it's something that you would offer or be amenable to. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think actually, yeah, I think Tom was the first one, Tom Turner, who was on the podcast last yeah. week. 
who reached out directly just um, via the internet, and I said, "Yeah, I can, I can help you out certainly." And I think that's sort of um, something that a lot of people are looking for, but don't necessarily know where to find. And it's kind of this rare unicorn of a person who is willing to actually uh, take their time and their knowledge and devote it to someone else's books. Um, so I think I know personally, I know quite a few authors who have been very much looking for someone like yourself, but it's always tough if you don't know someone you can recommend. And obviously in your case, Tom Turner, his, his stuff, you know, obviously the the proof is in the pudding, as they say, like you've, you've gotten shown results. And also after having gone and looked at your website and and seeing the kind of things you're saying on your blog, it's, it's obvious that you know what you're talking about and you're, and you're giving good information here. So that's why I was excited to get you on the show. Um, so what is your relationship like with, with consulting now? Do you, are you, is it something that you're taking on more clients or is it something that you kind of see yourself as having a limited amount that you can handle at once? What's that like? Yeah, it's been growing. So it grew a bit in 2018 and then I, I wanted to scale it back a little bit because it's hard to read or read. Well, it's hard to read books, but it's also hard to write them more uh, importantly because you just don't have the time because you're doing marketing and if you're running things like Facebook or BookBub ads or whatever, you need to keep an eye on them. Otherwise they kind of can run away with your money pretty quickly. So if you're running with uh, ads for other people and spending their money, you need to be kind of on point. So I was, I was going to do that, but I've been trying to figure out a way to kind of balance the writing and the, the marketing. So I've actually been picking up, more consulting work and actually just uh, launched a, a class that will start in April about pay-per-click ads. So Okay, very cool. And what's the name of the class? It's just a PPC ads class, basically. Okay. Nothing fancy. I saw that there was a information <laughs> as soon as I went on your website. I saw it kind of popped up. There was a, a right. information about it. So I did put a link in the comments for anyone who is watching later or if you're listening to the podcast you want to uh, find that site, definitely uh, check out. Uh, it's just it's nicholaseric.com. Am I right? That's correct, yeah, it's with Nick, a K. Eric with a K, yeah. So um, so definitely check that out And if, you've, if you're listening and you're interested in, in checking out this the ads course. Can you talk a little bit about this course that you're putting together? Because obviously there's uh, quite a few ads courses out there. There's quite a few people that have uh, given classes. What are some of the things that sort of set yours apart in your the, the way that you do your class? The number one thing I wanted to do going in is make sure that people were spending more of their money on ads and investing in that rather than the actual information, right? Because a lot of these courses, I've been looking at them, and even if they're good, uh, they're fairly expensive. So I wanted to make that more accessible. And I think the second thing is I've always been big on feedback, in-person feedback, because it's very, as good as the internet is, having learned a number of things from the internet, like sometimes you're really confused about what's right and what's wrong and you can spend six months or nine months doing something really that wasn't beneficial. So like um, I used to have a story on my about page, but I don't have it there anymore about how I like this site called justinguitar.com. So I started playing guitar about 12 years ago or so and at one point i was really into it and practicing three or four hours a day and but i wasn't practicing the right things right and there was no one there to tell me hey uh you should probably not be doing it this way right 
So I wouldn't say that that time was wasted. I would just say it was inefficient. And it's very easy to do the same things with writing and marketing when you don't have someone to say, hey, I think that it would be good if you tried this or that you shouldn't even go down this road with Facebook. It's not going to pan out. It's just a dead end, right? So that can save people a lot of time, like literally just a, a minute or two from me there can save a lot of time, but it'll be a lot more hands-on than that because people will be submitting assignments and getting feedback on their ads. So mm-hmm. I really wanted to do that. So those are the two things. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Again, and obviously, because a lot of these tactics and strategies for ads don't apply to everyone. Um, it could be different whether you're in Kindle Unlimited or whether you're wide or whether um, you know the type of genre you're in. So obviously, like you said, having a little bit of custom feedback would be very valuable. Um, because maybe the things that you know someone can do with their their ads. If you're if you're a thriller writer and you're targeting major thriller authors, you know that's you can do things that a person in a subgenre can't do. So I think that's that's really valuable. Um, <clears throat> you of course offer a lot of free content as well on your um, website. I've, I've noticed that you've got some really good articles on uh, promotion tools. Um, You've also just, you know, you've got, you know, marketing a newsletter as well, which I just signed up for. So I'm excited to see, okay. see what's going awesome. on. Um, so what are, some, what are some of the other things that, that you're doing uh, to, to sort of grow this business? I wouldn't say that I've really actively tried to grow it until maybe uh, a couple weeks ago or mm-hmm. maybe even a month ago when I launched this class. And even then, it's just really involved emailing the people that have signed up for my newsletter more frequently like when it's when i it's been kind of a side hobby or something where my writing takes precedent like the nonfiction stuff tends to get done when it's done right Mm -hmm. so but i'm trying to make it more of a priority now and Mm -hmm. maybe get more of a schedule going where i actually either have a weekly newsletter or bi-weekly or something Mm -hmm. like that yeah. So just making it more of a focus. Yeah. One of the things, of course, that when you're marketing, a lot of us want to spend the time writing and don't have the time to market. Or in this case, if you want to spend time in your own business, you don't. You, if you're going to be working for other people's businesses, I imagine that you have to use the most effective tools uh, because you only have a limited amount of time. And, of course, if people are paying for you for your time, you want, they want to have the most effective strategies in place right away. So what are some of the most effective strategies you're seeing right now as far as maybe Tom's books or other authors maybe that you're working for? What are some things that are working right now for authors when it comes to marketing? Sure. Yeah, the the old standbys, of course, work in terms of you need a good blurb and a good cover. I think a lot of people skip that. The branding is really important, and it's also really hard to get right. I don't think I've quite nailed it on my own books. Mm. One of the nice things about working with Tom is that he he worked in copywriting and marketing before, so he's pretty good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and his books have really a, uh, an A presentation level, which makes the advertising significantly easier. In terms of advertising, I think that BookBub ads are very effective. I know you had uh, David Gogren on the show last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would highly recommend his book. It's fantastic. And it's only $5, so you yeah. get... To, a hundred times that value easy if you follow along with it. Uh, that's a really effective platform. Facebook can certainly be effective if you are willing to test. 
mm-hmm. and donate some money to yeah. Mark Zuckerberg, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> right? But it can be very frustrating for people. So those are effective. I would say uh, BookBub featured deals obviously still work. Sometimes you hear people say, oh, they don't work anymore. They mm-hmm. they still work. They're still really good. They're mm-hmm. hard to get. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been working with this Kindle Countdown deal strategy that's been pretty effective. So I don't know if you want – do you want me to get into that? Sure. It's like, oh, okay. Sure. So basically, if you have a series in Kindle Unlimited, say five books or seven books, right? Um, and this can work with a new release or it can work with something that is just backlist that's been sitting there for a while. So it can be a good way to revitalize something that's sitting in the two or 300,000 ranks. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you usually want one of the books to be free. It should be book one if they have to be read in order, but it can be any of them for, say, uh, Tom's Mysteries or something we recently gave away, book six, mm-hmm. right? So that can work if the books are standalone. Okay. And then you set the at least the first three, right, to 99 cents uh, via Kindle Countdown deal. And you can get really aggressive and set the whole series to 99 cents if you mm-hmm. really want to move everything, yeah. right? And then you book promo sites to the free book, right? And you get a lot of spillover from people just buying all the books at once, and mm-hmm. you get that 70% royalty rate. And here's the secret, um, which I learned from David, and it's also in his book. Mm-hmm. So you can read more about that in his book. But what you can do is you can set up BookBub ads and Facebook ads to the series page for your series. Mm-hmm. And this is key because your book page has a ton of advertisements for other books and products, right? Mm-hmm. If you go to that page, it might have 250 outbound links. Right. But if you go to the series page, there's no ads on it or very few. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if there are any. And it also allows you to buy the entire series with one click. Mm-hmm. which is incredibly powerful because if you use the Kindle countdown deals, it'll show you the original price, like $45, and then it'll show you that they're all available for six ninety seven or whatever, mm-hmm. six ninety three, yeah. which is incredible, and you get conversion rates that are super, super high yeah, off that. that. Yeah. So you're, yeah, and the only way to really funnel people to that page, you can't do it via promo sites. You have to do it via Facebook and BookBub mm-hmm. ads. So... Link to that page directly in the ad. Have you played around um, a little bit with the Amazon's, you know, custom web pages that you can build now? Like if you say, if you have the Advantage account, I know that you can actually set up your own website basically on Amazon. That also kind of does a similar thing where you can put your whole series on there and not. I know through the Advantage dashboard you have the option to like make series pages, but also you can actually build yourself a little website basically on there. Have you played around with that at all? Oh, wow. No, I, I wasn't aware of that. I've been putting off. I, it, Amazon Advantage is one of those things on my list of things like I kind of need to do or want to do. It mm-hmm. just hasn't been urgent enough to yeah. gain priority over stuff. But, yeah, that sounds really interesting. I would definitely yeah. – it might be moving up the list now. That actually sounds like it could be pretty powerful. Yeah, I was just chatting like, with another uh, author – um, recently about that and, and she was working working on doing that and I, I was I was just watching her play around with it and it looks looks pretty cool looks like the, some of the options that you have there are are pretty stellar um, can you talk a little bit about I know you have some advice for people when it comes to list building um, how what are your, what are some of your email strategies that you're you're recommending these days for authors 
Yeah, I'm actually writing that down right now to remind <laughs> myself to do that. That's a good, that's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, so email list strategies for authors. Well, the first one is fairly obvious, but I think a lot of people skip it. Like, put the link to your email list in your book, yeah. right? That's an obvious one. Uh, but you should put it in the front and the back matter. Mm-hmm. If you put it in the front matter, particularly if you have a lead magnet, mm-hmm. you, which is you're giving away a, a free novella or a free novel or something like that, your sign-up rate is going to increase dramatically. Like you can double it mm-hmm. or even like 5x it just by including it in the front matter. Yeah. So that's free subscribers right there with no extra effort. So definitely put that in the front. On the org. Uh, the non-organic side, which is things like giveaways and cross promotions and Facebook ads, I wouldn't use Facebook ads to call back to an early part of the conversation. That's one of those things that I spent a lot of time on in terms of marketing that ended up being a dead end mm. and a lot of money. So for most people, that's not going to be an effective way to build your list. It's very expensive. The newsletter subscribers aren't really more engaged than they are from places like Story Origin and Book Funnel and Prolific Works. Mm -hmm. So I would not recommend that. What I would do is you can build probably a list of four or 5,000 people or maybe a little bit more depending on your genre or less if you're in a niche uh, genre like, say, horror. But if you're in like thrillers or mysteries or urban fantasy or epic fantasy, something like that, you can probably expect somewhere between four or 5,000 subscribers if you enter, say, 10 cross promos via Story Origin and Book Funnel and Prolific Works over the next six months. The thing with that is that the, the audiences are somewhat closed systems and that the same authors tend to participate and the same people tend to visit the sites. Yeah. So you have a point where you hit a point where you're kind of reaching the same people with the same free books over and over again. So yeah, it doesn't necessarily scale like technically Facebook scales. You could get an infinite number of subscribers. I think that you would need really super deep pockets to do that. And I'm talking like probably like 20, 30 K and that's like a huge risk because I, I couldn't guarantee that that would work. Like it didn't work when I I got about 10,000 subscribers from Facebook approximately. And that didn't really push, move the needle. Like I certainly found some fans there, but um, it wasn't compared to the cost and the time investment. It wasn't worth it. Mm, Interesting. Um, I see quite a few people are watching. Uh, Alan Janney, Claire Taylor, Ernie Dempsey, all uh, former guests of the show and other, uh, some other stellar authors out there. So, uh, Matthew Bath- Backoff is watching. If any of you guys have questions, Brooke is watching. So if any of you guys have questions uh, for Nick about your marketing and want to you know, throw up questions, I'm happy to answer them and, of course, relay them to, uh, for you. So definitely don't be shy. Um, one of the things I thought that was pretty cool that you, you posted up on your website was your strategy for hitting a USA Today bestseller list. Um, you gave a kind of a breakdown of how that worked, and but but one of the things I thought was really interesting was whether or not you, whether or not you thought it was worth it, and um, kind of like having people assess their goals when it comes to trying to hit lists, things like that. Can you talk a little bit about that, your strategy, how it went for you, and um, whether you'd do it again? Sure. The general strategy is, if anyone's familiar with promo stacking, it's really a huge promo stack. So. Uh, if you're not familiar with promo stacking, it's just 
you organize your promotions in such a way that a they you start small and then you grow big because Amazon tends to like a steady upward trending sales curve mm-hmm. and they also don't like big spikes so that that really satisfies that requirement and then um uh, let me see. With B, what you want to do is you need the volume. So the promo stacks allows you to kind of, if you don't have a huge platform, like some people can just release their book, right, and hit USA Today bestseller list by just hitting their newsletter. Mm-hmm. And that's not where most of us are. So the promo stack allows you to kind of get that volume and combine multiple different little sites and your newsletter and social media together. So with the the difference between a USA Today run and a traditional promo stack, right, is that usually you're kind of extending beyond what would normally be my recommended promo sites. So I have a list of recommended promo sites on my website. Um, but if you look at my USA Today guide, it kind of goes there's a number of sites that aren't on necessarily the recommended list. So you need to push sales in any way you can. And sometimes that means buying them at a premium. Mm-hmm. So you're doing that and it's kind of a loss leader. So you obviously need a book bub if you don't have a big platform. Um, and you typically want a book bub on maybe Tuesday or Wednesday, like something earlier in the week, Monday through Wednesday. I would say Thursday is the latest. Mm. Otherwise, it's really hard to get the volume needed because you're re- relying on the BookBub tail for a significant portion of yeah. the USA Today sales. So, yeah, you just and then you supplement with PPC ads. So Facebook and um, BookBub primarily, BookBub ads, the ones at the bottom of the email. Uh, mm-hmm. AMS or Amazon advertising as it's called now is kind of like hit or miss in terms of how they fill the ads, mm-hmm. right? Like you can't guarantee they're going to go live. You don't know when they're going to start getting impressions and stuff like that. So even if you bid high, they're not as reliable for that. Absolutely. Yeah. So you, yeah, you combine all those and you just try to really push as much volume as possible. So you also, uh, a nice thing to do is you email your list at the beginning, and if you have a decently sized list, you're going to move some copies because it's 99 cents. And if you let them know about the USA Today run, they typically want to join in and help you. Like mm-hmm. they, They're excited about it. And then you can also do a final push on the last day with pay-per-click and your newsletter. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, you know, I'm making a run for the USA Today list. A lot of you purchased the book. I'm grateful for that. I'd be really grateful if you haven't to so pick it up now. And that can give you that kind of final push over the hump. So, yeah. And then to answer your second question about whether it's worth it or not, uh, I would say that I haven't really seen any effects in terms of using it in advertising or using it on my covers or anything like that. So um, I work with an author who has some really good, like, pull quotes from uh, authors like, say, Sue Grafton or something and has won some really impressive awards, right? And even those don't necessarily get the the boosts. They don't boost the advertising that much hmm. um, at, or at all. So I don't think that readers care as much as we do. Okay. Um, it's certainly a nice accolade to have, 
mm-hmm. but a lot of the time the readers care about the the content of the book and the story right whether it matches their genre expectations and whether it sounds like something they would enjoy rather than what how many times it hit the usa today list or whatever yeah. something like that yeah we have a um a question kind of related to this um from Alan. Alan asks, um, if Nicholas has to spend, if you have $1,000 a month to spend on marketing, how would you use it other than a BookBub featured deal? So you have <laughs> he has a mystery series as well. I know he says that Tom's books are in his also bots. He's got, um, he's got several series, but one of them is mystery as well. So um, if you have $1,000 to spend, where should we put, be putting it? Yeah, I take a book about feature deal every month, but um, <laughs> they they won't right they won't do that. So what I would do first is I would figure out what's working for you, right? If you don't have anything that's working, that's the most important thing. I think mm-hmm. the major mistake people make, particularly with pay per click ads, is that they jump in and they just start throwing money at these platforms. Mm-hmm. And Facebook and BookBub will definitely take your money. Amazon, if you bid high, they'll take your money. Otherwise, it's kind of erratic. So you don't want to just be like, here's $500, because they'll definitely immediately spend that, and you probably won't like the results. So what you want to do to begin with is test. And you, you're both testing your uh, creatives, which is your images and your copy and your taglines and stuff like that. But you also want to test the platform itself and how it responds to your books. So you need to figure out, A, if this platform is a good fit for the books. And sometimes you can't sell a book via a certain platform or another platform works better. And that's good to know. But you can only really know that via testing your own books. And then, B, you need to figure out what works with your strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. So you'll find that certain platforms don't really gel with you. So with Amazon advertising, it's by far the easiest to put up an ad, but I don't really like it at all. Excuse me. And the problem, like, that doesn't seem to make sense because if anybody's read my site, right, I'm big on 80-20 and efficiency, Mm -hmm. and 80-20 is 20% of the um, actions result in 80% of the results, right? So like that would seem like a good kind of efficiency hack to just, on Amazon, put up lots of ads because all that you have to do is write text. But I actually don't like it. I actually prefer BookBub, which is by far the most labor-intensive hmm. and the most frustrating platform to put up images for because you have to do each one by hand, really, and you can't really outsource them because it gets way too expensive given the number of creatives you do. So that's what I would recommend. And then once you have the testing done... I would see, I would focus most of my budget on what's working. So you can do like what's called the 90 10 rule, throwing out these rules with the numbers, right? I like it. Uh, yeah, so it's 90% on what works and then 10% testing, right? Okay. So you don't ever want to just be 100% towards what works, right? But you also don't want to be 100% testing when you have things that works. And that, that flips around, right? If you have nothing that works, then it's going to be. on what works or what kind of works, right? And 90% on testing. And that's in terms of your budget and time. Because one of the biggest mistakes I've made is uh, testing too much. I do like testing and I think it's really important, but sometimes I don't make this shift over to when I have a winner, really pushing a lot of my money and focus on that. Like I keep testing. Mm. So you definitely want to double down on your winners and really use them to your advantage when you find them because they're hard to find and you don't just want to kind of split them 
between split your budget between them and some ads that aren't working. Yeah. All right. So Alan, nine hundred bucks is going to go to what's working now, and then spend your other hundred bucks on, on testing some new new tools. Is that the advice? Out of his out yeah, of his yeah, I would dollars? say. Or or the other way around, if you don't have anything that works, <laughs> right? Go hurry up and find something that works, right? And then mm-hmm. then spend some money on it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, as far as the, your marketing arsenal, we've talked about BookBub. You're a big fan of BookBub. Um, we've got some, you know, Facebook, AMS. Those are the pretty common ad platform um, elements. We have we talked about promo stacking, um, of course. Whether we're mm-hmm. trying to hit a list or whether you're using the the Kindle countdown deal um, strategy, which is cool. Um, are you are you currently doing um, book swaps, things like that? Any other tools in the marketing arsenal that you think are, are worthwhile right now? Besides pay-per-click ads and... I've never been super proactive about reaching out and networking with other people. That hasn't been, like, a personal strength of mine. Like, I'm definitely more reserved and a little bit shy. So if people reach out to me, right, then I'm more than willing to help and do that type of thing. And it probably sounds kind of funny because I'm talking to you on this podcast or whatever and I'm running this class. Um, But in terms of my fiction, like, I've never been that really... Uh, aggressive in doing that. I don't think I've ever done it actually. Um, so that that's one of those things that we're we're going back to the strengths and weaknesses. If you're really a social person and really like reaching out to people and stuff like that, and networking and talking shop and um, getting in Facebook groups with authors in your genre and things like that, I think that that could be super effective because with the promo swaps what you can do is you can really get really nice also bots and really nice kind of like targeting with the Amazon algorithm because if a bunch of authors in your genre are all recommending your book, that kind of tells Amazon, hey, this book is like these others and it kind of ties them all together. So if those other authors are fairly successful or midlist authors or something, you can really get a huge boost from that. So I, I think it's a good strategy. The one thing you have to think about is not burning out your list. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly entered a fair number of cross promotions over the past year and a half. And what I kind of noticed was that I was, you're sharing your organic subscribers with everybody too. So your organic subscribers are really like gold. They're the people who signed up specifically for your books and because they were fans of your books and they want to hear more about that. Mm-hmm. And you kind of want to be cautious about a, um, bombarding them with too many like offers for free books and other stuff but b like you don't want them getting distracted necessarily and running off with the other 10 or 12 authors in your genre right so like i i think that you want to help other authors certainly and like but you also want to be somewhat protective of those people because you want to treat them well and you also want like don't necessarily like you can only read so many books right so the way I kind of approach it is to um, instead do curated recommendations, where instead of like me swapping with random people, I read the books, mm-hmm. right? And that kind of adds value because it takes me time to do it. Mm-hmm. And it also gives them value because they trust what I'm saying, right? With the, with the swaps, a lot of the times, like I read emails from people and they're like, oh, here's something you'll like. I'm like, but why will I like it? You haven't, you haven't yeah. even looked at it. You haven't even looked at the Amazon page, right? And I think readers have gotten wise to that, and they're more skeptical just because they're kind of getting churned by these swaps yeah, a little I, bit. I feel the exact same way. I, I don't recommend things unless I've actually read them myself. I'm very 
and despite being a social extrovert myself, like I'm also right. I haven't reached out for newsletters. It's not something I've really done. Um, uh-huh. Even being just because I am very, you know, precious with my list. Um, so yeah. I'm, on, I'm on the same page with you on that. Margaret Lashley asks, uh, "What cost per click and click-through rate do you consider to be a winning BookBub ad?" That's a good question, and the answer is it varies, right? So I see a lot of authors focused on click-through rate and CPC, both of which are important, right? But it's also genre-specific, mm. and it depends on how long your series is. So uh, this is probably a I know little Margaret bit too, has at least eight yeah. books in her series. Okay, yeah. So this is probably a little bit too convoluted for like a, a podcast or like something like that. But I wrote an article on David's site. Mm. It's called "How to Advertise," I believe. If you search that, if you search David's site on Google and that, that'll show up. And it's also on on my site linked. And what it does is it walks through the calculations. You need to make a you need to calculate on a series by series basis your read through. Mm-hmm your conversion, and how much you can pay for each download. And that'll give you an idea of how much you can pay for per click. So, for example, to use with Tom's books, right, uh, we're getting CPCs that most people would have shut the ads off a long time ago. Like, I'm bidding a dollar on AMS, Mm -hmm. right, which sounds absurd, Mm -hmm. right? And you're getting clicks close to that, right? But... um, they convert like they convert and that comes back to the brand and packaging and they convert well and they're converting a profitable way. So they're certainly, he's obviously got great read through and like, like I said, he's branding really on point and he's got high quality products. So, right. Yeah. That, that makes complete sense. Um, as far as the spend, you're still, your ROI is still so much better than what you're spending. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. How about for people um, with just, fewer books? Hmm? How about for people with fewer books, what would you recommend? Uh, I would recommend doing the calculations and seeing what you can do. So I have a trilogy, say, and I, the first one was perma-free. So, like, you're only selling two books, right? And I think I could spend six cents or five cents or something a click before it got too expensive, which obviously just doesn't work. Yeah. But once you do the numbers, you can kind of see, oh, this won't work. This is just impossible. Like, I can't get clicks regularly for five cents on Facebook and Urban Fantasy. It's just not going to happen. doesn't matter how good you are. So, like, you can kind of just say, oh, okay, that doesn't work, right? And you can set that series aside. So doing the numbers first is really helpful. To answer a question about BookBub in particular with CTR, uh, I know in, in Dave's book he recommends – uh, 2%. It sounds like I came on this podcast just to recommend Dave's <laughs> book, but it is really good. So well, We just um, recommended he, it last week, so we're just yeah, getting yeah, on the tradition. Yeah. Any stragglers who haven't picked it up, you know, yeah. definitely head over to Amazon. But, um, yeah, he recommends 2%. I, I'm a little, I'm okay with lower, um, like maybe 1.5%. I consider anything that's running at 1% when I'm testing, like a promising, potentially promising ad or mm-hmm. target. Okay. So I found that 2% is like a pretty hard cutoff, right, to reach. Like you got to be really good and your ads have to be really good and your targeting has to be good. So I think for most people that might not be an attainable standard at mm-hmm. first. It's certainly not for me, and I've been doing it for a while. So I tend to say like I'll keep something running if it's about like 1.5% and the clicks are reasonably priced. 
um, which is based on the CPM, right? The yeah. the cost per thousand impressions. So in in a genre like mystery, the cost per thousand impressions tends to be a little bit lower. Mm. Um, urban fantasy is a little bit higher, and then I think probably romance is going to be the highest of all, just because it's competition. Yeah. But yeah, I would I would when you're testing, I would consider tweaking an ad creative or like the audience targeting or whatever and stuff if it's one percent or higher i would definitely like keep it around if it's one and a half percent or higher like you might that might not be your best ad or something like that but i think it's worth keeping in the stable especially when your better ads start to falter okay all right well hopefully that was a, a good answer for margaret um and if anyone else has questions, we're sort of getting to the end of the half hour here. Um, but if anyone else has questions, you want to throw them up in the comments. Uh, we'll try to get Nick to come back and maybe um, respond in the comments if we can. Or uh, you can always, of course, just go visit his website, uh, nicholaseric.com. And then, you know, you can check out check out his, his course that he's offering. Uh, and you said the course comes out in April? Yeah, it's going to be live. So it starts April 5th. Okay. Like, um, so, yeah, it's just completely live. And it's every Friday from April 5th to April 26th. And there's uh, I'm also going to do a, a second session on Saturday, so you get access to both. So like, if you can't make the live session on April 5th, you can do it on April 6th at a different time. So that should hopefully accommodate people around the world. And there will also be replays. I've gotten many questions about replays. There are 100% be replays if you can't make either. Or just want to review since a lot of this material is dense and kind of requires you to pause the video and then, you know, follow it step by step. Yeah, stuff like that. Makes sense. And uh, David Gargren is watching now. So David, you just missed you, your ears must have been burning because we've been talking about uh, it so much. Yeah, and <laughs> plugging your book, Dave. <laughs> So yeah, we set several plugs for Dave's book. We'll just go ahead and throw a link to Dave's book in the comments and while we're at it, just because everyone's uh, talking about it anyway. But um, Nick, thank you so much for taking your time um, to to share this knowledge with us. Obviously, it's it's been you know very valuable. We could just barely scratch the surface in half an hour of chatting with you. But I'm so so grateful to have a resource like your website available. Um, where people can go and check out so much, so much great free content, and of course, you know your, your services as well. And um, like I said, I did have someone ask specifically, you know, whether you were taking on new clients in terms of um, marketing. Uh, is there anything particular you're looking for when it comes to um, taking on a client for for providing marketing services? I'd say email me and ask, like, um, if I feel that I can help you. Right in some way, like and really do a good job. That's that's the number one thing I'm concerned about. I think sometimes you get people who will just be like, "Oh yeah, I can I can do this," and promise you things. Like if I if I feel I can't do it, like I certainly say, uh, I don't think that I can do anything for you. Like I don't think my skills can um, help you. And that's not necessarily that the books are bad or anything. Like sometimes they're just not a fit for what I do. Right. Um, yeah. And so I. I'd say reach out certainly and just and see. I think one thing is that like if you don't have a series, like it's going to be very difficult for me and in general to market, just because a lot of this pay per click stuff is based on sell through. Mm-hmm. Like you need to be so good to really turn a profit on a single book, like a standalone novel or like the first book in a series. And I'm not saying that's impossible. I'm just saying that I don't think I've reached that kind of like Jedi level of. <laughs> mastery yet so yeah 
Yeah, unless your book's you know, maybe super high priced or something like that. Where uh, did you have any last minute tips on any tips on pricing when it comes to this stuff? Any, any major strategies that you're using for, with your clients right now when it comes to book prices? And uh, in terms of the prices, yeah, sure. Um, what you'll find, especially when you're doing with uh, pay per click, right? Well, my first, let me back up for a second. My first tip is if you're new or if you're struggling with the pricing and it seems off and your people aren't buying your book, go look at the top 100 in your subgenre and see what really popular and established indie authors are pricing at. And that's not necessarily going to be your price, right? Some of them will be higher, some of them will be lower, but it will give you a kind of like gauge of what the market will bear. So in certain genres, like it's pretty hard um, to go above, say like 499 or 599. Certainly not impossible, but like you want to look at that, and it varies by genre because, say, in epic fantasy, right, um, the typical price is going to probably be four ninety nine, five ninety nine plus, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're just a perma free, like, or not perma free, but like permanently ninety nine cents or something, that kind of looks a little bit off mm-hmm. to people in the genre, right? Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying it won't work. I'm just saying like they probably, um, it's a little bit unusual. So sometimes you can actually get more conversions and more sales by raising your price if it's something that the genre expects. So I would say that. And then the second thing is, uh, as always, test. See, send traffic to your Amazon page at a certain price, mm-hmm. right, for uh, two weeks or so, right? Log, log your previous sales for the past two weeks or month at the price that you've currently been at, right, without any sort of promotions or whatever. And then see what happens when you send people, you change the price and, like, say to go from two ninety nine to three ninety nine. see what happens in terms of people buying yeah. um, and see how that affects it. Because what you'll find is sometimes a price increase really doesn't do anything at all, and people are more than happy to buy at three ninety nine. But what you'll also see is that with uh, Tom's books, that, um, his books are, the presentation is really high quality and and so it's possible to sell them at four ninety nine, mm-hmm. right? The first book, cold, which is pretty difficult to do. But what I found is that uh, conversions, and by conversions I just mean sales. In case anyone isn't um, first in the the marketing terminology, but yeah. the conversions have gone up about one and a half times. Oh wow! So you're getting more people buying the books for the same amount of ad spend. So that means that the since the price has dropped from four ninety nine to two ninety nine, it means the revenue is about the same, or maybe a little bit less. But you're getting much more sell through and read through and Kindle Unlimited, and you're also getting higher ranks and all that that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, so that's been really effective. Did you have? Um, I'm just asking this for myself actually because I've got a, a book coming out soon, so I'm just getting sure. mining for advice. But um, I've got a book coming out probably in a slightly higher price bracket. Um, mm-hmm. As far as it's like YA action adventure type thing, which a lot of those prices are around like seven ninety nine, six ninety nine, the traditional books, and then you know indies are still around the five dollar mark. Um, what's your recommendation when it comes to launching to your own list? Do you discount heavily to your own list on launch, or do you launch at full price? Uh, do you have a recommendation on that? As far as like these are your organic subscribers, these people probably want to spend money on your book, but should you be discounting it for them? What's your what are your thoughts? If you have engaged fans, they'll certainly buy it for six ninety nine. Like if you just um, essentially have a bunch of cold subscribers from various cross promos that you haven't done a lot to engage, like they're not going to buy it at full price, obviously. But in your case, like 
I'm assuming you have a lot of engaged fans because I've seen that. Um, I think what your first book has over a thousand reviews. Is that right? Something like that. Yeah. So it's close, right? Yeah. My big question will be, I'm still switching genres a little bit with this other book. So okay. I don't know how many will actually make the leap over from time travel to right. the YA action adventure. But, um, I'm just, I was just curious on general terms. If, right. Yeah. Right that's always the million dollar question, right? Whether yeah. they'll jump with you, but yeah, I would say that you can launch at full price, but what I found is actually that discounting it slightly oftentimes works better. Mm. So what we did for the launch of Tom's most recent book, and I have data comparing the, the launches to the other books, which were at five ninety nine, okay. right? So we we have the price to two ninety nine, and I don't think you generally, if you have an established audience, and really if you can swing it, I think launching at two ninety nine is a better bet anyway, even if you sacrifice. A little bit of rank. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't really do the ninety-nine cent thing unless you're really willing to push like up the ranks a lot. Yeah, it's pretty expensive. So we launched it at two ninety-nine, and we did the Kindle countdown deal on the first three books that I had talked about earlier, right? Mm-hmm. And we sold more than double the amount of copies in the first thirty days. So we made more revenue, right? Way more page reads. Like the page reads. Uh, peak was way higher than it was for the previous book that we launched at full price and it's been much stickier like i think it's still i was checking it the other day i think it's around 7700 8000 mm, and this is nice. two months after launch and not running any ads to that really besides some uh amazon ads that are spending maybe five or seven dollars a day so it's been really good and um you find that if you add a little bit of scarcity to the newsletter right oh this deal will only be available for seven days or whatever it encourages people who like the book right already to pick it up immediately and start reading so you get those people who are even really engaged but maybe have you know we we all have life um yeah. <laughs> obligations and things like that right and usually a book is not the number one priority even if it's something people are really excited about so that can yeah encourage people to get it on their kindle and start reading right away too so in in conjunction with other things it can be really effective okay yeah well that sounds like really solid strategy so i appreciate you sharing that with us so all right yeah so we um like i said i'm taking up too much of your time as it is already but i will uh i will say say goodbye to everyone watching thank you everyone for the comments and i saw so we had quite a few authors comment uh boo walker says great stuff rob peacher says Thanks, Nathan and Nicholas. Really solid and detailed information. So um, I think people really appreciated uh, all your information. So um, thank you, Nicholas. I would love to have you on again sometime in the future if you're willing because obviously you're a wealth of information. Absolutely, yeah. I'd love to be on again. It's been fun. And thanks, everyone, for watching and for tuning into the podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, uh, feel free to uh, spread the word about the the podcast and and tell a friend. So uh, we appreciate all of your, your time, and we'll see you again next week for another great episode. So long. All right.